0: I'm gonna make them an awfully gamer for you.
1: You gotta get a post like this. Ba da bing, you blow their brains all over your nice cyber leg suit.
0: But don't ever take sides with anyone against the family again. Take the that is right. I know what you're thinking. It's not a Tuesday or a Wednesday or a Monday for that matter. Uh, so what are we doing here? We got a special episode. This is the first in our 2022 I don't know, big movie series. I don't know what we're really calling it, but it's it's this year is the anniversary of a lot of, in, uh, of fun movies that mean a lot to us, and so we're kicking it off the only way, the best way that we know how. And to help me with this, first of all, I am from the Friends with Benefits podcast. I am Chris, and along beside me here with me to, to take me to, to come on this journey with me, from you know him, you love him, as the host of House Rules and the prettiest member of Nerd Alert. I, I, I believe that to be true. He is Commander Scott.
1: Uh, so uh, you know, with regards to me, I fundamentally disagree with everything you just said. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not I'm not pretty at all. None. Not no, at all. That's that's nope. wrong. That's wrong. No, nope. I've seen myself naked. It's uh, it's not good. Lucky. No, nope. have to endure that.
0: Uh <laughs> All right. Well, uh, and, and if I, I would like to make a. Uh, I would make. I would like to make a proposal for the remainder of this episode. Uh, that you are not Commander Scott. You are uh, Consigliere Scott.
1: Consigliere. Consigliere.
0: That's the one. Yeah.
1: Consigliere.
0: Yeah, that's your. That's your. Your, uh, your title for the rest of this episode.
1: And that's also my butchering the Italian language. You know <laughs> that's what? why I didn't
0: even try. I just said <laughs> consigliere. That's that's how I say it. Uh, as the Irishman trying to uh, speak Italian.
1: Yep. Um, See, and that's, that's the thing. You know, we're, we're, we're discussing, obviously, <laughs> some very Italian stuff. You're Irish. I don't know what the hell I am.
0: You're a mutt, and that's okay. <laughs> There's something to be said about being a mutt. Uh, and... Because we are here today, as you probably guessed from the the well put together intro, we are talking about the 1972 classic movie, The Godfather. And I know it's a movie that I love. I know it's a movie that you love. And it's actually one of those things that was surprisingly like, I did not expect it to be a movie that we had in common that we both really enjoyed.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I I would agree. I would agree. We've talked about lots of movies over the years, and and our Venn diagram does sync up. I didn't think it would sync up enough to cover The Godfather. No,
0: and and I think it kind of started where we we ended up talking at some point about The Sopranos a lot. And, uh, so we, we talked a lot about the Sopranos back and forth a lot over the years. And then it kind of became, well, you know, blah, 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 Godfather. And we're like, well, yeah, duh, blah, 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 Godfather. (laughs) And it just kind of became like a, well, yeah, duh. Of course I know Godfather is, is like the apex of, of mob movies. Yeah, of course. Sorry. Organized crime movies. Um, and, and yeah, yeah. So, so then it became, well, you know, surprisingly, you know, we're we're both into the Godfather and and uh, crime movies in general, and so it, it was. Well, you know, it came out in 1972, so that makes this year an anniversary year.
1: The fiftieth, yeah,
0: fifty-five oh, and it, it, it. I think it's important not only for us to to recognize that milestone, but also the crazy history of how the movie actually got started. And, you know, we, we've done feature episodes on movies before, most notably the Friday, the 13th series that we did. Um, and we kind of did a, we, we broke it up into different parts and kind of broke down why the movie is, you know, classic. Some of those that we did before, absolutely not classic, but, you know, breaking down what makes that movie it and so we're going to do exactly the same thing here and I think uh, it's important to kind of set the stage of of how the movie came to be first so we'll do a real quick history because I I don't know how much you know about the production of the movie but the story of how the Godfather went from book to screen is pretty interesting
1: well Personally, I don't know a lot about the production of, of The Godfather as far as how it got there and stuff. Um, but uh, I do know that, of course, the, the movie The Godfather and the movie The Godfather 2 was my first introduction to The Godfather. I did not read the book first. Um, uh, no, despite
0: that's, that's for lame people.
1: Well, now hang on. <laughs> despite people thinking, you know, I'm, I'm old enough to, to, to know, you know, Jesus himself. You're you're 26
0: Um, years old. What are you talking about?
1: (laughs) You know, maybe, maybe in my head. Um, But uh, uh, I did. So on my honeymoon, you know, when my wife and I got married, we took a cruise to the Caribbean. And for two, there were, there were two days where we were just at sea, so we didn't have a lot of stuff to do. I took my, I took my nook, my e-reader. Oh, yeah. Well, at the time I took it with me. Uh, and apparently I don't know what happened. I think I forgot my charger or something and it died pretty quick. And I'm like, well, shit. Um, and luckily the ship that we were on for our cruise had a library. And so I, I went into the library and I looked and they had a copy of the Godfather. So I read the Godfather on my honeymoon. (laughs) That's, that's really
0: interesting. That's, uh, (laughs) I, I will tell you that I have never read the book. Um, probably should have at this point, but haven't, um, I well, don't, I don't like to read. I mean, I will, if it will like, you know, get me out of a jam or save my life or something, but eh, for fun, no, don't read for fun. huh? No, not especially. Uh, I've got like, cause I've got an e-reader as well and I've got a couple hundred books on there and I've read like the first 20 pages of just about all of them. Uh, and that's yeah. about it. That's about as far as I get uh yeah. so yeah your your introduction to the Godfather much better than mine because yeah I just um i I remember my first introduction to the Godfather was the DVD it was the first DVD that you had to actually flip oh wow like you watched you like because they they started to do like the two-sided discs where yeah like Walmart was famous for, they had like the widescreen on one side and the full screen version on the other, which full screen
1: people can burn in hell. Um, now, now let me ask you real quick. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, no. Yeah. yeah this. So, so this happened to me. I remember those DVDs and yeah. I remember getting one and everything. And and let me ask you, did, did you fall into the same trap that I did? So I looked at the DVD and I saw that it was printed widescreen on one side and full screen yeah. on the other on oh, you know, no. that little band, you know? Yeah. So I saw a widescreen. I'm like, oh, okay. And I put widescreen side down. No, like, no. Side. no. So they had labeled it. They had labeled it for normal people. Yeah. And I overthought it. And I'm like, <laughs> well, this isn't this isn't widescreen because because the the laser's on the bottom. So I thought, oh, widescreen's yeah. on this side. So I'll put it widescreen down so that it no the wide- oh, they, they no. did the work for you and you still made it harder they did
0: oh they did all the heavy lifting for you and you were still like I'm gonna complicate this <laughs> let's make this a little bit harder than it needs to be uh no no I, to answer your question I did not fall into that trap ah, I did yeah. not do it I didn't um no I, I I only bought those when I absolutely had to because I was a widescreen only kind of guy because I understood that full screen means they chop it off and just because you have a crappy old TV that only does four to three um, you're missing no, out um, on a lot of
1: until they came up with the pan scan which yeah. is where the do versions of the movie where it was like the it was like the uh, the camera would like disengage from the scene and it would pan across the scene, yeah. but the scene was not panning. And it, it made for a, it messed with my motion sickness in my head a little bit.
0: Yeah, uh, because that uh, a lot of TV versions became that. Uh, that pan and scan. I hated that, too. Just give me widescreen. Just give me the way it's supposed to be done. Um, yeah, I agree. But uh, the, only, the only movie that I've ever seen do something really cool with the flipper... Uh, what they call it, the the flipper discs, was Blair Witch, a oh, Book of Shadows, Blair Witch Two, which was the movie on one side and the soundtrack CD on the other. Oh wow! Which was super cool. No other movie did that that I know of. So it was just kind of a like literally a one off thing that I was like, oh that would be cool, and then they, they were like, oh wait, if we do this, then we can't sell them the CD separately, and so nobody did it. So they just kind of abandoned that idea. But but uh, one of the original flipper discs was The Godfather, and you had to actually flip the movie over at about the halfway point in order to watch the whole thing. So that was how I originally did it, uh, was I, I watched it and I had to flip it.
1: Well, and see, I never, I never knew that a DVD existed that was, you know... Uh, Half the movie on one side and half the movie on the other side. I I had plenty of VHSs that were split up amongst multiple cassettes, but I I never had a DVD that was split up between sides like that. Uh, I I didn't know.
0: Yeah, it was it was dark times, man. And then uh, (laughs) you know the world of of, of piracy came along where someone was like, "It's The Godfather in one file," and you're like, "Wait, what? I don't have to flip it or anything." And then Blu-rays came out, and uh, you know you can just now there's 4k and you can, you can watch them all and you don't have to flip the disc or change discs or anything like that. Um, yeah, I hate, I hate when you can't, when you have, when your experience gets interrupted that way and you yeah, have yeah. to, but that was my first introduction. I had no real idea when I started it. Like I knew people were like, Oh, it's a good movie, but I didn't like recognize, you know, how, when people said it's a good movie, I didn't really, you know, yeah. recognize just, that. And,
1: uh, so- so so me reading the book on my honeymoon wasn't my introduction to the Godfather. Right, that was your introduction to the book. The book, yeah. yeah. So my introduction to the movie was actually this this is going to get a little complicated and um uh a little weird.
0: Scott, my those age two age words age. describe you pretty much entirely.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, Scott? Yeah, he's a little complicated, a little weird. He's good.
0: Yeah, complicated he gets complicated. It's a little weird. <laughs>
1: So my 8th grade teacher, whom I love, one of my favorite teachers of all time, would get along really great, I transition into high school. And I meet his wife, who taught at high school. Um, uh, she wasn't my teacher because she taught higher level math, and, and, and I wasn't in her class. But she was, uh, her, both her and her husband, he came up to help, did the academic team stuff. So I met her, you know, doing the academic team. And I met their daughter, who was a year ahead of me in school, on the academic team, and we became friends. And in hanging out with her daughter and my former eighth grade teacher and my academic team uh, coach, who was uh, her mother, his wife, uh, we, we were talking at one point, and you know, I think I was over at her house, their house, however you want to put it, and uh, uh, somehow or the Godfather came up, and I had this blank stare, and, and, and they're like, you've never seen the Godfather. And I'm like, no, I, I don't know. So I'm a freshman in high school. I'm over at this girl whom I kind of like you know, a little bit and everything, and, and her parents are like, we have to show you the Godfather. Yeah. And uh
0: sit down for three and a half
1: hours. Yeah, that was that was my <laughs> father, uh, you know, in and, and the awkward thing where you're with this girl that you like, but not actually dating because, you know, you're in that awkward phase. And uh, we never dated, by the way, we never got to that point. But with her parents and, you know, in the living room and, you know, the horse head in the bed and everything. Yeah, it just it, it get a little surreal there from it.
0: Yeah that's, so, that that's that's uh yeah you you know you're in you're in it deep when they say sit down for this giant movie that's really really long and you're like yep oh, yeah.
1: yeah it was it was uh it was fun I still remember it though I like it's still a vivid memory I can remember sitting on their living room floor and watching the movie and all that good stuff man it's
0: like yeah, it's like a core memory for you that's interesting
1: it is that's
0: interesting well, that's our introduction to it. Uh, the world got introduced to it a lot earlier. Uh, it's of course, like, like you said, the book, uh, 1969, uh, and there's actually now it, it, it's either coming soon or it, it'll be out. Um, where, uh, is, is it Hulu that's doing the series about how the book got made or, or like the deal to make the movie?
1: Yeah, that um, sounds right. Um, yeah. I'm trying to, what was it called?
0: I think Ah. it's called the deal or something like that. It's like something simple like that. Um, and it's got some really good people in it. Um, it's got some good actors and actresses in it. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, um, book, of course, also called the Godfather, um, Paramount pictures bought the rights to the novel. Do you know how much they paid for it? Do you have any idea?
1: One million dollars.
0: Close. $80,000. Oh, wow. Is what really? they, yeah, they obtained the rights to the novel for the price of $80,000. Um, and you would think that, you know, oh, it's been out for a little bit, like a year or two at that point. Uh, so it should be pretty easy. It should be well known. It was still gaining popularity at the time. And they had a little bit of trouble, actually, uh, nailing down a director. Uh, because, um, you know, they were, uh, they were looking for somebody to direct it. And, um, uh, now I can see the book, you know, it, it was, it was on the New York times bestseller list for 67 weeks, uh, sold 9 million copies in two years. Um, it for a while was the best-selling published work in history. Um, that's impressive. So, uh, they originally found out paramount pictures originally found out about the novel in 1967, um, when they found, uh, the unfinished 60 page manuscript. Um, and so they, yeah, they ended up, it was $80,000. Um, they ended up, uh, you know, sending it into production. So you think with those numbers, you're like, oh, it's gonna be really easy to find somebody. Um, one of the major points was, um, you know, they were trying to find somebody to direct it that was an Italian-American because they wanted it to be. They wanted to have that feeling all the way through the movie that it was it was told through the eyes of somebody that was an Italian-American. So it kind of had that feel.
1: Well, now, sorry. No, go ahead. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Interject. but But a thought just occurred to me now. The official story is, you know. Yeah, they wanted it to be told through the eyes of an Italian maker. But, 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 now hang on. Could it possibly be that they're like, you know, if we tell this, if we do this story and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a German or it's, uh, you know, whatever descent, uh, that we're going to get, you know, reamed later that it's, uh, stereo, stereotyping and exploiting Italian Americans. But if we get an Italian director, then hey, hey, we got a defensive against that. It's like, look, we got an Italian director. So, uh huh. Yeah. Well,
0: I'm just saying the uh, the direct quote from Paramount's Robert Evans at the time was they wanted to make it, quote, ethnic to the core. Um, So I don't know. Maybe they were trying to get brownie points later on. Maybe they were ahead of the woke curve. I don't know. (laughs) Um, Maybe. Uh, But uh, the 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 big issue that they were trying to do with that was because uh, their previous organized crime movie, The Brotherhood, was it bombed at the box office. I don't Um,
1: even
0: know. Yeah. uh, it was directed by Martin Ritt and starred Kirk, Kirk Douglas. Uh, and he believed, uh, Evans believed that one of the reasons that it bombed was because neither one of them was Italian and they were doing a, a mafia movie. So they, he, he was kind of like really into having it directed by an Italian American and, uh, Sergio, Leon was the first choice. Was their first choice to direct? Wow.
1: Um, I mean, can, can you even imagine The Godfather actually directed by Sergio Leone? Uh,
0: um, as all, as
1: do, do do we get Clint Eastwood as Sonny?
0: I was going to say uh, a a known, uh, I believe, credited as the creator of the spaghetti western, uh, yeah, kind of sub genre, genre, sub genre or whatever. So yeah, it would have had a totally different feel. It would have. Um, But uh, he turned it down uh, because he wanted to work on his own gangster movie, Once Upon a Time in America. Uh, So second choice was uh, Peter Bogdanovich, um, who, uh, let's see, he worked on...
1: um, Him I'm not as familiar with as I am Sergio Leone.
0: The Last Picture Show and a movie that you will hear... Uh, a little bit about later on, What's Up Doc, also in 1972. Uh, Paper Moon. Um... Wow. Yeah. Apparently
1: yeah. Uh, I'm not familiar with his entire body of work then, because uh, the, the, most of these I've, or these I've not heard of.
0: Uh, if you look up a picture of him, you're going to recognize him pretty much immediately, though
1: uh well actually so that's not right uh what's up well no i'm looking up the imdb for what's up doc and it says 1978 tv series that's not
0: it no that's not the one yeah the 1972 movie uh yeah you will recognize him from his role in the sopranos if you see a picture of him just throwing that out
1: there hang on no see now you got me now i've got a a
0: (laughs) (laughs) i know you would Uh, so, uh,
1: yeah, new tab here
0: while you're, while you're looking him up, uh, also, uh, Peter Yates, Richard Brooks, Arthur Penn, uh, a couple others were also asked to direct. They all declined until finally, um, the, a, 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 a chief assistant, uh, suggested Francis Ford Coppola, uh, because his, um, they they thought that he would work on the cheap because his last movie, the rain people did not do well. Uh, and much to their surprise, Coppola turned it down. Uh, he, he, he said, he said the he said the novel was sleazy and sensationalist and described it as pretty cheap stuff. Um, the problem is, uh, his studio, uh, owed close to half a, half a million dollars to Warner brothers Because of um, the going over budget with uh, THX 1138. And uh, so he, you know, uh, upon thinking it over, talking to a couple people, he uh, changed his mind, decided to take the job. And he was offered the sum and agreed to the sum of $125,000 and 6% of the gross rentals.
1: So... So what you're saying is they made him an offer he couldn't refuse. If I had a boo button, I would play it
0: right now for you. But I don't. All I have are people cheering, and I'm not going to reward you for that. Uh, I'm not going to do it.
1: I can not help myself. I'm um, sorry.
0: No, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. Uh, so uh, if you want to know how it all worked out, uh, as we know, uh, the film won Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Adapted Screenplay. Um, it they, there were nominations for best supporting actor, best director. Um, uh, it was the highest grossing film of 1972 beating out other movies, such as the Poseidon adventure. What's up doc, which you probably just heard of, uh, deliverance, um, uh, and then a bunch of other crap that is no one's ever heard of. Uh, and for a while, for a short time, it was actually the highest grossing film ever made back in wow. 1972. So if you're wondering if their gambles paid off, you uh, you would you, that, that should tell you everything, that it absolutely did. And it became one of the most commercially and critically successful movies of all time. You know, being nominated. But one, one thing that I noticed that it wasn't nominated for uh that it should have been nominated for because it played a really big part in the success of the movie is the soundtrack, the music that went along with the movie.
1: Oh. Ah. Um
0: Q. Q yeah. Sorry. <laughs>
1: Yeah, uh, I, I, I don't know exactly what style of music that is. Um, but this is one of the few movies I actually have heard the music to.
0: Uh, yeah, You uh, normally you hear them all uh, with the music track turned off in your ears because yep. as we establish in the Friday the 13th series, uh, Consigliere Scott does not hear music in movies, really. No, nope, nope, uh, not
1: usually. I don't hear scores. You know when it's, yeah, when, it's yeah, yeah. when the score is behind the dialogue and stuff. I just concentrate on the dialogue. I don't I don't register the music. Um, well, but, you'll be you,
0: you'll be interested to know that the uh, the the uh, your old buddy uh, the Paramount executives Mr., Paramount executive Mister Evans found the score to be quote too highbrow and did not want to use it. Uh, he actually uh, tried to get them not to use it, um,
1: really? but. Uh, um, well, so I mean, when it comes to the music for this, of course, you know, the 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 segue that we had that um, I may or may not have been a little slow to actually, <laughs> to actually play. We'll it, never know. Um, uh, beside you know that so so that music, which is very you know, uh, uh, I, I don't know exactly what style of music it is, but it's big band era uh, and everything, and of course it's prominent in. The, uh, uh, the, the wedding scene, of course, you know, yeah. at the beginning of the film, you've got that, you know, cause it's, it's featured. Um, but, uh, you know, when it comes to the score of The Godfather, cause I, I technically think that that song is part of the soundtrack, not the score. Um, and, and then when it comes to the score of The Godfather, uh, you, you've got, uh, it opens with that beautiful trumpet, uh, that, that we heard at the, you know, we included in our intro. Um, uh, and stuff. And I think when it comes to that, uh, a lot of people remember that, uh, and stuff. And, uh, the, of course, the composer, well, not of course, but the composer was Nino Rota. I don't know anything else he's done. Uh, I just know his stuff from this. And I may or may not have bought the actual vinyl LP, you know, 1972 score for, for the Godfather.
0: We know well, you did. <laughs>
1: And listening to that, like if you listen to it, it's 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 got some really it's it's very sad overall. Like the actual score, in my opinion. Now there's some stuff where he ramps up to kind of a uh, uh, you know for the for some of the the more uh, heated scenes, he kind of ramps it up a bit. But overall, it has a sad tone to it. Uh, and that that opening trumpet kind of cadence he he repeats. And most of, the, most of the musical number is in the score. It kind of keeps that same cadence throughout most of it. so uh,
0: the, the all of the music in in the movie matches uh, the very tragic kind of tone, the, the overall I don't know if sadness is the right word, but there's a very bleak. Feel to basically the entire story, yeah. Uh, and the music does a fantastic job of matching that emotion because even when something good happens, you're like, you know, it's only temporary, and a lot of bad stuff is is coming. Like, even even like a win for somebody. Because here's the problem with all of these. Like, it's the same thing with the Sopranos. It's the same thing with all of these a win for somebody is always at the expense of somebody else. And that other person is going to get that win back. And so, you know, you know that even if something good is happening, that something, it it, it comes at the expense of somebody else or somebody else is going to come get that back. And then some, and, and more than, and, and not just balance it out, but like really, really, tip the scales the other way. Mm-hmm. So that, that that's kind of the thing is there's always this like just beneath the surface, uh, when it's not right at right in your face, uh, of like foreboding and, and, um, dread that's coming.
1: Yeah. Cause all the way through this movie, uh, this movie really is, it's, it's a Shakespearean tragedy. Uh, you're coming into this family uh, and this story uh, of these people, not at the height of you know their their golden days when when everything's happy and good and everything. You're coming at the uh, you're coming in. At, you're, you're really you're really coming in at the beginning of Act Three of the Corleone family saga, and and it's 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 the start of their not full downfall, but you know it's that it's that slippery slope like the 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 best years are behind them. It will never be what it was. And at every turn in this movie, it's literally just tragedy, tragedy, tragedy. Like it, it, it starts at the beginning with a wedding, which is a high point. And everybody's happy. And and you've got that great you get we get the soundtrack uh song that 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 we played there to transition in, into into music where it's 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 light, it's festive, it's upbeat. Uh you know, and then you really don't get much after that uh, uh, in, in that way. Everything is is just the score, which, which you said, and undertones a lot of the tragedy and stuff that uh, that belies the the storyline. It's uh, it, it's just it's, it's 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 not a happy story in any any no, shape. No, yeah, exactly.
0: It's it, it's literally like it, it, it's everybody chasing yes, like like the way they felt yesterday. Because, you know, yesterday and the day before and like the months before were good, but now is a little is, is worse. But you're trying to get back to where it was better, but it's never going to be that good. So you settle for a little bit less than then. Yeah. But then, and- you know, and, and you keep settling for less and less because like instead of having, you know, instead of having every day, that's a 10. Now you're like, well, we can't get 10s. So we're going to get nines. And then you get nine, you're chasing after a nine. And then you're like, well, we can't get nines, so we're going to have to settle for an eight. And, like, you, your, your bar for, like, what's good and what you accept is, like, lowering every single time.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, and, and, and uh, somewhat I think this is uh, a bit of a, an analogy for, well, kind of the human experience. Because we always look at the past through rose-colored glasses. True. When, when you look at the past, human beings, we always only remember the good stuff. There's a reason for that. You don't want to remember the bad stuff. Um, and, 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 and so all of us, you know, I think all of us in our lives, it, it, which, which I think is part of the reason why The Godfather connects with so many people is because, uh, on an underlying tone, uh, people connect on this level, even if, even if it's subconscious, even if they don't realize it. They, you know, we all go through our lives trying to recapture what we remember as the good old days. Yeah. You know and and so literally you have a story about a family who is trying to hold on to the good old days when when all around them is turning to shit and uh, um, they're just besieged on all sides by tragedy and and they're fighting to hold what they have and of course it's not working and you have to transition into the the new era, you know at the end when, with Michael and, and and everything and it's just not quite what it was. Uh, it, it always reminds me of uh, uh, or not always, but it reminds me of a, uh, of a line from on the switch gears just a little bit to the TV show Hell on Wheels. I don't know if you've ever seen it. I've heard of it, but I've never seen it. Well, the, there's a whole different thing about it, but in the pilot episode, there's a great, great scene where the main character is chasing after somebody, you know, and, and somebody uh, there's a, there's like just a secondary character there that just just asked him, he's like, what's the world coming to, sir? And he looks at him, he says, it ain't coming to nothing, son. It's the same as it's always been. Yeah. I love that line. I'm sorry, I just said, I know we're not talking about Hell on Wheels, but it's that type of thing when it comes to the Godfather, is that, you know, we're looking at the past through rose colored glasses, where we're trying to hold on to what we have, but we don't realize that what we have now is the same as what we have then, we just don't remember the bad.
0: That's That's very true. Um, and yeah, like it, everybody always spends, you know, their life chasing after, um, you know, the, the, the high that was, and yeah. I think, um, you know, it's not just us regular people. Um, but there are some people that, um, you know, they're, they're chasing after that high that they felt in 19, 1972 when they were. Uh, actually cast in this movie and achieved roles of a lifetime that would make them household names and more famous than they could possibly imagine. One night I got a call from Francis, who was in New York, and he said uh, Jimmy, and I could tell from his voice, this was not his idea. Jimmy, uh, uh, why don't you come in and test? I said, test what? What do you got a Porsche? You want me to drive around the block? What do you want? Test what? He said, "Please, sir. they want you to play Michael." I knew Diane before the um, um, test. We had a kind of immediate like for each other, and Francis, I think, recognized that and thought that that would be useful in the picture. So what I'm saying is that they spent $400,000 or so on test, and wound up with four corned beef sandwiches. They. Did I do better on that one. That was that was perfect. That was absolutely <laughs> perfect. Uh, if if you want an interesting read, and um, I, I I won't go into a whole lot of it. Uh, which by the way, a lot of the production notes uh, came from the uh, the Godfather Wikipedia article. I want to give that credit. Um, I don't want you to think that I did all that research just on my own. Um, <laughs> the The casting tab on the Wikipedia page is insane for this movie. Help. Uh, when you start reading about all of the people that, uh, that they, they wanted to get and, uh, tried to get and made offers to, uh, I mean, it's crazy. If you want to know how, uh, Robert Redford, Warren Beatty, Ryan O'Neill, uh, Dustin Hoffman, Martin Sheen, Burt Reynolds, Jack Nicholson, uh, all are wrapped up in somehow, wanting uh uh, you know were approached or were on the short list of people to play certain characters it is a crazy story uh about all of the casting and all of the uh almost near misses shoulda woulda could um uh you know who they wanted robert duvall to play like it's just a a who's who of of you know actors at the time that you know even one small change would have completely and totally changed the movie.
1: Well, so, uh, in, in, in doing some, some research and, and things, uh, before the show, just, just kind of checking out some things. I did see Martin Sheen's yeah. screen as Michael. And wow, <laughs> that was a much different tone.
0: That, that's it. It's I, like, yeah. you, you know, you don't realize it's very much like, um, the, uh, what is it? Uh, was it, stoltz that was going to be marty mcfly yeah yeah Yeah. like you watch his screen test and you're like whoa like that would have been a completely different movie yeah um and and it's it's like it's interesting that you know if if you don't have certain actors playing certain roles uh because even like some of them were considered for other roles because you know the movie uh, you know, Marlon Brando, Al Pacino, James Khan, Robert Duvall, but like some of them were considered for other parts before yep. ultimately landing on the ones that they got, and you start to wonder like, man what if we got this other movie like um, like this other version
1: yeah, see and and one of the things, so when it comes to the casting and the performances in this movie, um because I watched the screen, like you heard in the in the in the clip that we had there, that 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 James Kahn was was called up by uh, uh, Francis Ford Coppola, and the studio wanted him to come in and and screen test with um, uh, Diane mm-hmm. uh, Diane Keaton uh, as in the role of Michael, uh, and, and you can watch his screen test. It's out there and everything. It is a little bit different. Uh, but there was a there was a behind the scenes that I saw where Francis Ford Coppola was talking to the cast and everything it was it was many years later it wasn't during the production it was years later and they were talking about it and he he said he he asked Diane Keaton you know you know or, or what do you think you know who do you think you know, who would you want and everything and Diane Keaton said you know uh, I, I want Al Pacino and the comment was made he undresses you with his eyes. (laughs) And if you go back and you watch Al Pacino's performance as, first of all, if you watch Al Pacino just behind the scenes of the same year, when he's, you know, the same age versus when he's performing Michael, it's night and day. Yeah. Like it doesn't even look like the same person. Uh, And, and, and when you watch his performance as Michael on screen, he's got those looks it's like there's more going on inside his head than he is presenting to the world that you're seeing on screen. And it's eerie. And when you watch the screen tests for like uh, James Kahn and Martin Sheen and stuff, it's just not there. And even in the screen tests, when you watch Al Pacino, it's there. It's one of those situations of when it comes to, uh, uh, um, uh, <laughs> I forgot his name. <laughs> And I Michael.
0: thought you prepped. I'm
1: sorry. Uh, <laughs> Michael. It's one of those things when it's right, it's right.
0: Yeah. Well, And, you know, like, and, and, and that's the thing is like when, when you go back and you watch a movie, you know, several times and you can start picking apart like little things like you start noticing little things because, you know, the first couple times you watch it, you see like the big picture you see like, you know, the big the big portrait that they paint. And then uh, as you keep watching, you start seeing like the little things, like you start seeing and you start paying attention to like the eyes and what's behind the eyes in some of the characters, like in some of the shots and stuff. And you really start to pick up, like, like you were saying, like there's a lot going on and it's like the subtle stuff that you start really picking up on and noticing that, you know, kind of not changes things, but like enhances everything and really adds to things because, You know, you can pick up stuff that you didn't notice or you weren't paying attention to the first time. And then you're like, oh, my gosh, like, look at the look on his face when he's doing this. Or like, look at the look at the little eye twitch that happens here. Like, that stuff is like that level of detail. Like, that's the stuff that, you know, that's why, you know, um, all of those people that were involved in this movie, all of these actors and actresses, like, that's why they became household names. And that's why everybody knows who Robert De Niro is is because you watch and you're like, damn, like they're on another level. Like, you know, there's that, there's that phrase like, Oh, they're, they're out there playing chess while everybody else is playing checkers.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, one thing that I noticed here recently, just going through stuff, you know, for our, for our show tonight. Um, so I was putting together, you know, different, different lines and stuff for our little sound bites that we have, you know, transitioning and something, and, and and I don't, I haven't got to it yet. But there's there's one where where I was listening to, or I was watching a bunch of scenes of just just Vito Corleone as played, of course, by, you know, the late great Marlon Brando. Um, and I remember years ago I saw a behind the scenes thing of Marlon Brando when he was doing his his screen test, right? Right. And and Marlon Brando said, you know, he, he said there's a part in the script. Where he gets shot in the throat, and he he said, "I always thought you know he maybe he didn't he didn't uh uh fully you know recover from that, and so he started stuffing the cotton balls in his mouth you know for the screen test, and he took on the bulldog look that you see in the movie and everything uh, and he he talked with a raspy voice and uh of course, for the movie, they made a prosthetic for him to uh, you know have in his mouth to, to achieve the look and get the the, the the whole performance. But every time I saw that behind the scenes, I'm like, but he has that at the beginning of the film. That's before he gets shot. I didn't quite understand. But when I was, when I was just going through just uh, lines, it was just, it was just clip of Vito, then clip of Vito, then clip of Vito, then clip of Vito, uh, without all the extraneous stuff in between from other, other actors. It was just his performance extrapolated. Um, The stuff before he gets shot, his voice is different. It's strong. It's clear. He still has the, the kind of, that muffle accent. You know, he's still got that, 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 that Marlon Brando kind of thing to it. But if you listen to him after that scene, he has got this mastery. He changes yeah. his voice halfway through the movie. And, and you yeah. know, when I was watching this clip, I was like, holy shit. <laughs> I never saw that before.
0: Yeah, that's, that, and that's that level of, like, once you, like, once you realize that, because, yeah, I'm the same way, like, when you said that, I'm like, oh, holy shit, yeah, you're right, like, you know, you, you look at it and you're like, man, like, it's those little, it's those details, and, like, that's, that's the, the, the class of actor and actress that you're dealing with that, like, they, they get it. And they put that thought into it and they like it's it's done with that attention to detail where, you know, you're going to watch a masterclass of how to tell that story.
1: Yeah.
0: And Uh, yeah. 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 Like those those actors playing those roles. It's like you know like th- those stars aligned and that's perfect because like yeah you you read through that that uh the casting tab and you're like I can't there's absolutely no way that I can imagine you know some of these characters as who they initially wanted to play them. Yeah. Cuz you're well, like Burt Reynolds does not fit in this movie. <laughs> I don't care who you're trying to make him be. Like Burt Reynolds would not fit in The Godfather.
1: Well, see now now I really want to see Norm MacDonald playing Mark <laughs> Reynolds playing <laughs> Michael Corleone.
0: With the big cowboy hat. The big that's the only way. Hat. It has to have the big cowboy hat. Yeah, uh, that's the only way that I allow it.
1: But, no, um, one thing that I always found interesting uh, about The Godfather it came to the casting and stuff, uh, and one of the behind-the-scenes things that I came across one day in, in my readings, and I don't even remember where I read it, uh, I came across it, but so the actor that played Luca Brasi, uh-huh. right? You know, wasn't uh, like a huge named actor. He was just kind of a, a a more minor actor. He didn't do a lot of stuff. He was, you know, he only did a handful of stuff. People only remember him for The Godfather, right? Right. So, so in the scene that he has, right, where where he goes to 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 see Don Vito, he just wants to thank him for inviting him to the wedding, right? Which is yeah. an iconic scene and everything. You know, he's, he's got the sweat and stuff pouring off of him, right? And he and he, and he, he kind of stutters through. Yeah. So that's the actor actually sweating and fumbling his lines because he was so nervous about sharing a scene with Marlon Brando. <laughs> and because of that, so they shot that scene first, but because of that, so he was off practicing his lines prior to doing the scene and still flubbed him, of course, because he was just so nervous about yeah. shooting a scene with Marlon Brando. But... Um he was off practice like like Francis Ford Coppola saw that and that's why the scene of him rehearsing his speech at the wedding prior to going to see Don Vito is in the movie. Like that's not in the book. Gosh, that's perfect. It's one of those touches that, that Francis Ford Coppola is looking at it and he's like I think we can use this. And and that and that
0: is the eye of a director that owes a shit ton of money to a film studio. <laughs> so reluctantly agrees to take the job. That's the level of detail when you get, when someone is basically going to work every day, feeling like they're held hostage.
1: Yep. Like, like, <laughs> I got to do this or, or, yeah. or I'm dead. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, just,
0: I'm done. Yeah. I owe them. I owe them $400,000. This movie's got to be good.
1: Yeah. Otherwise uh, I'm
0: screwed. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise there's, there's, nothing else. No, like, 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 and, and that's, that's it is like this, Some of that stuff is, is that magic of happenstance, you know, it just so happens to be, um, you know, what happens and you know, that when you're there magic kind of happens and you know, the unexpected stuff, they, it's just like, you know, nobody ever expected the shark and jaws not to work. Yeah. And so, you know, that that's the that's the the keen eye of somebody who, um, you know, knows what they're doing and and understands when uh, a gem when you have a gem.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I think everybody in this cast uh, and everything was was there like. Nobody was there half-assed. Everybody who's on this movie, all the way down to the extras, the wedding scene, and 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 everything, and the, just the the button men, you know, uh, that that are that have no lines, the extras, like they're all one hundred percent focused on what they're doing and trying to, uh, to achieve it. And of course, that uh, owing part of that also is is to the director, to to Coppola, who who keeps everybody on track, keeps everybody pointing, keeps everybody motivated. Um. Uh when you look at the behind the scenes, you can just tell because there's not a lot of behind the scenes footage that survives, of course, but there's a little bit. And when, when you do see it, everybody is very, very hyper focused on what they're doing and trying to bring to the screen. Uh and it's so well nuanced and, and all that good stuff, you know. Uh that that I don't know. The the casting on this, Diane Keaton just brings that wonderful, wonderful uh naivete decay that she becomes an interesting character like she she knows that something's up but she doesn't want to acknowledge it cuz she wants her fairy tale yeah like her performance brings a depth to that character that is not written uh i think um
0: oh, i agree completely and and that's that's the uh you you know you recognize that when you see people who uh like like in her case where it's like you know they want to be there and they want to do it right and they're they are putting everything they have into it to make it a an extraordinary performance.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it, it just is. I mean, you know, even um uh Abe Vigoda as Tessio. Yeah. You know, uh I mean, he he kind of he's just uh, an imposing actor and everything. He doesn't have a lot of screen time, but when he does, uh, you know, you've got uh, you've got some some really great depth there. Clemenza, uh, the, you know, his two lieutenants, you know, Vito's two lieutenants, uh, that th- has some really great moments and lines uh, and, and everything. And it may not be the the total depth that we get to the primary characters like Michael and Tom and uh, Sonny and everything, but and Fredo. But at, at the same time. Uh, they're, they're still doing their, their their best, and they're wonderful on screen. When they're on screen and they have lines, you're, you're watching them. They hold your attention. It's, it's just great.
0: And to go along with that, there are, you know, it, it takes a, an, an incredible cast to portray these characters, but they are also helped with the screenwriting, which uh, gives them some of the most iconic uh, overall lines in movie history. You spend time with your family?
1: Sure I do. Look. Because a man who doesn't spend time with his family can never be a real man. And look how they mess my boy. And if some unlucky accident should befall him, if he should get shot in the head by a police officer, or if he should hang himself in his jail cell, or if he's struck by a bolt of lightning, I'm going to blame some of the people in this room. And then I do not forgive. So I don't know if you heard it right there in, in that, but the two veto lines mm-hmm. when he goes to the, the the post Sunny shot, you can hear a difference in his voice. Yeah. Yeah. And and I just I love that whole delivery. You know, because you know, he he's he's like, you know, he's like, I'm a superstitious man. If he should get shot in the head by a police officer, if he should hang himself in his jail cell, and then he gets, he just goes straight from that to completely absurd, or if he gets hit by a bolt of lightning, and <laughs> I'm going to blame some of the people in this room, and that I do not forgive, and just that, oh, love that line.
0: <laughs> well, and that's that. That's it. Is that there's that there, there's stuff like that where there are lines that are, uh, you know, that are memorable. Because of, you know, the way that they're given the way that they're delivered, there's the, the conviction in the tone of the way that they're delivered. And then there are some that stand the test of time uh, and continue to, to be as relevant and as poignant and as on point today as they were then. Like one of my favorites, which is uh, when Michael says, "My father's no different than any powerful man, any man with power, like a president or a senator."
1: Uh, yeah.
0: And the line back is, "Do you know how naive you sound, Michael? Presidents and senators don't have men killed." And he says, "Oh, who's being naive?" Yeah. Like because like you laugh because you're like, man, like you know it. it it's true, like you know. Y- You have lines like that that are representative of, you know, bigger themes of, you know, absolute power and threats to power and, you know, does absolute power corrupt? Absolutely. And, you know, how far are people willing to go to maintain the power that they've got and the influence that they've got? And, you know, we see that every day, Um, you know, on on your 24-hour news channels, you see people who are you know, very desperate to maintain the, the influence and power and control that they have, um, by any means necessary. And so, you know, you have these, these multiple layers where, you know, it's stuff that fits its lines and it's, it's, uh, you know, back and forth with characters that fit that narrative, but also, you know, apply to a much broader, more true to life world, Spectrum of events.
1: Yeah. Well, and and yeah. So you you get that, uh, uh, which is which is really great. And it, it it when it comes to the dialogue in this movie, you you go you swing. You go from light and casual to very poignant. Yeah. You know uh, because you know you've got. So, like, for light and casual, you know, and to give you an example, is uh, the story, which is iconic, you know, uh, but going back to the wedding again at the beginning of the film, when Michael is telling Kay about um, uh, <laughs> the singer. whose name like, I can't remember now.
0: You just, you did not prep.
1: I did prep. I swear. <laughs> Fontaine. Uh, Vic Fontaine. Um, Johnny Fontaine. Sorry, not Nick, Johnny Fontaine. Uh, you know, he's telling the story. You know, and, and and this was one of the behind the scenes things that I saw was was Francis Ford Coppola basically giving direction to Al Pacino on set about this very scene. Uh, and and if you watch it, so, you know, you know, she's like, no, come on, Michael, tell me. And 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 he said, you know, well, you know. When, when when Johnny started out, he was he was signed to this, this, this personal service contract with his big band leader. And, and later on, as his career started to take off, he wanted to get out of it, and the, the band leader wouldn't let him. So if you watch that scene, if you look at the dialogue, and then, of course, you know, Al Pacino's performance, of course, lends to this. But the the dialogue, he goes from light. He, he's telling this anecdote. Oh, there was this funny time, blah, 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 blah. And then my father tried to threaten to kill him. <laughs> yeah. You know? It it goes from, it goes, it's the the entire, the entire thing in this, this, this is all the way through. It goes from lighthearted to poignant, just like that. Yeah,
0: there's, there's all, and then sometimes you get the, uh, 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 first of all, you never told me that you knew Johnny Fontaine. But, um, um, uh, then then there's also the, um, you know, there, there's little points of, you know, um, uh, where, what, what I like to call, uh, let me up moments or let me up lines where, um, you know, there are points where there's stuff going on and it's getting heavy and you're like, Oh no. And then there's like a line or just a certain way that it's delivered that kind of lets you breathe for a second. Yep. And you kind of have that, like you, you have, you have a let me up moment where you're like, Oh, and then it gets, it gets, it gets hard again where you're like, whoa, like here it comes. Um, and, and you know, it, it, it plays that dance very well, uh, with, with the tone and the delivery and so, And even when they're saying things, you know, about, um, you know, heavy things, but they say it in a way like, uh, I'm a businessman. Blood's a big expense. Yeah. Like you're, you're like, you know, they, it, 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 it's, it's, it's one of those moments where you're like, huh. but it's like a really heavy thing where, where, you know, it, it's like this, this, you know, it's it's a very telling moment, and but but it's delivered in a way that's like you know it, it, it's it's a it's a joke about or it, it's like a little release moment on a very heavy thing.
1: Yeah. Well, one of the one of the points talking about that uh, where the movie lets you breathe for a second. Through dialogue and and of course performance, obviously is is, is a key part of this because they have to you know the way they deliver the dialogue. But um, so the famous the the iconic horsehead scene, right? You yeah. know, with, with waltz, you know, where he where he pulls the the uh, the the covers back, so he wakes up. You know, and he's he's like something's wrong here. You know, because you, know, you wake up and the bed's wet, and you're like, well, this isn't right. And so he's no. looking and then he looks, and it's red, and it's like his brain can't comprehend, and he pulls the thing back, and you got the horse head of that prized horse, and he's literally just screaming, just ah, ah! And you cut straight from that to when Tom is back in New York, and the dialogue is, you okay, Tom? You, you need anything? You, you good after your flight? No, I'm fine. He literally, just, yeah. boom, brings you straight back down off of that.
0: Yeah, uh, where it's like, a, it's, it's like a whiplash, almost, where you're yeah. like, whoa, like, like you uh, it does it like it takes you on a right and, and it's it, all of it is uh, like the best way that I can describe it to other people is when I'm like you know this movie is is different because it's it's at a point where you know movies were shot and like these scenes are organized in a way like, and and the tone is set the, like the the dialogue is this way it's everything is very deliberate and it's designed to take you on this, this you know emotional dance and this this ride where you know it's you you feel what you feel as you're going and 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 you think you're you know experience it but like it's guiding you very specifically and very intentionally and very deliberately uh to have these like to feel these certain ways about these certain things and at these certain times to set you up for something later or to, you know, to, to give you a little bit of a release right now. Like, but it's very, very deliberate. Yeah. And yeah.
1: yeah. Well, and, and also, um, you know, one of the things that you, you look at, you know, when it comes to the dialogue and, and everything, um, if, if you look at the dialogue of Vito Corleone, okay. Uh huh. And and how he talks to people, he's very warm. He's he's open. He's friendly. You know, uh, even even when he's um, even when he's at the beginning, when when uh, Bonacera is is asking for justice for his daughter, you know, you know he's, he's 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 playing with a cat in his lab, and he's he's just sitting there casually, and he's relaxed. He's leaning back, you know, and he's like, you come to. My house on the day my daughter is to be married, and you ask me to do murder for money. He says, "What have I ever done to make you treat me just dis- so disrespectfully?" And it's just it's conversation, right? And everything he does is warm, uh, right, right. except for like you know when Sonny gets killed, of course, which is one of those great lines. And uh, you know in the money, look how they massacre my boy. It's just to get that raw emotion, uh, uh, and, and it's like a raw nerve on him. And I think it's some of Brando's best acting. Um, but then you go. To Michael, once he takes over the reins toward the end of the movie, you know, and, and he's in Vegas and he's having the conflict with Mo Green and he's now in the same role that Vito was at the beginning of the movie. So you've got the beginning of the movie, Vito, he's the head of the family. Now at the end of the movie, you've got Michael, who is the, 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 the end of the movie and he's the head of the family and, you know, he's, uh, he's, he's rebuking Fredo. For taking sides with, uh, with Mo Green. He says, you know, don't ever take sides with anyone against the family again. And you look at those eyes, and it's, he's cold. Yeah. Like, he's the exact opposite side of the coin. And it's just the way the, dial, the dialogue that he gives, if there is no conversation. It's matter of fact. Whereas Vito's dialogue and his lines are warm and inviting and conversational, Michael's are orders his will is resolute yeah it's just it's night and day it's an dichotomy. it's 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 uh, it, it's it's the, the 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 twin greek gods the two sides of the coin it's yin and yang it's just it's awesome
0: yeah it is it is a uh, it is a great like the the, the whole the whole thing you can, you can dissect it in any way this movie in any way and you know you see it's it's like a how to it's it's i, I don't want to say it's like a time capsule because there are movies that are done you know as well today but they like this movie is is one of those where like you watch it today still like people who watch it the first time are going to be like damn like this movie's really well put together and really like the the word you used earlier was focused and like every single every single aspect is so laser focused that you know it's it's it is it is a ride from because you're right like you keep picking out thematic elements and you know different di- different things running through it that you can pick out di- different symbolism and different uh, you know themes all this stuff that plays so well together that a lot of it is you don't even really notice it and it doesn't stick out until it does. Yeah. And then you're like, Oh man, like they were like the the people who were in charge of this and involved in this were five steps ahead of everybody else. Um, because you're watching it and you're just like, my God, like it's, it's, like the, the, the it is flawless
1: well and 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 i don't know just the characterization so you know something else that, that that sticks out with me when when i think about you know the way you know the lines and the dialogue and and, and the way it, it, characters interact with each other and the the, the subtle nuances you know, in this film um is so at, at the end of the movie when michael confronts uh, his brother in law, mm-hmm. right? You know, uh, and tells him, you know, I know it, I, I know you were part of, of Sonny. Cause remember, cause, so he's alone in, in the, the house and he picks up the phone and he's, he's trying to call Barzini. Cause he doesn't know what's going on and he's, he's twisting in the wind. And Michael comes in and is basically like, today I settle all family business. Uh, you're not going to get an answer. He's basically telling him, you're not going to get an answer, Barzini's dead. You're all alone. And he's like, you know, he's like, he's like, yeah, you can't fool me, like with that little farce that you pull with my sister, you know. Yeah. I I know it was you that set up Sonny. And he starts crying. You know, and he's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. He's begging for his life. Because he knows he's screwed up. Right? Right. Which, Which is really good. It's great acting, and once again, you get that cold from Michael. He's begging for his life, and Michael basically tells him, I'm going to give you a pass, you know, I'm not going to kill you, blah, blah, blah. Of course, it's uh, he's just lulling him to a false sense of security. They do kill him. Um, but when you when you look at the Tessio scene, when they take Tessio away, because Tessio is the one who betrayed him to Barzini, and he looks, he's, he's going with the guys, and he looks back, because they're going out and everything, and 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 what's his name? It's like, hey, you know, Michael said he can't come. He's like, what? He can't do that. You know, that ruins all my security. And then Tom's like, yeah, I'm afraid I can't go either, Tessio. And right then, that's when Tessio knows he's fucked. Yep. And he looks at Tom, and in a complete calm manner, he says, Tom, can you get me off the hook for old time's sake? That scene, Tessio and what's-his-name are doing the exact same thing. They're both begging for their life mm-hmm. in two very different manners.
0: Yeah. It. You know what it reminded me of? And, um, it's funny because it, I, I actually, um, like when I watched, uh, the Sopranos and, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, they, they, they take, um, uh, big, big, big pussy. yeah, they take big pussy out on the boat and yeah. like, there's a moment, like there's, there's yeah. that moment where
1: yeah.
0: he realizes what's going on
1: yeah,
0: and like and, that, that light switch. Like Whips. it just it, it turns and you're like you, you see it like, like you see the mannerisms change. You see the body language change. You see the like, oh, shit, like they know. And then like you have that moment where it's like, do I do I put on that brave front and be like, you know, and, and face it this way or do I beg this way? Like, cause there, 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 there's two paths to take. Cause once you know, you know, and like there, there, there's no, like how do, how do I change it? Can I change it? And like, that's such a huge thing because then you see, you know, mannerisms change. You hear the, 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 the way the lines are delivered changed. You hear that, that, that tone change and, and the look in the eye change and, Uh Like that's the, um, like that that's the, the magic of of that is is you're looking at it and you're like oh because like when you, usually it's like you know as the audience you know a little bit ahead of time, like you see it coming because you're you're privy to stuff that that the characters aren't, and you're kind of like floating back and forth so like you see what's about to happen a little bit before the characters do. So when you get that moment and they catch up and they're like, they, you see it, you see that light go on. Like what a moment.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, even, even the Tessio scene, like at the beginning of that scene to the end of that scene, there's two different scenes playing out with no cuts. You know, there, there's no quick cut from here to here. There's no nothing. It's just literally, you've got this one vibe and, and cadence and everything, and then just, and everything shuts down. And now you've got, literally, you know, Tessio and Tom are the only two in that scene. And it's just, it's just beautiful. Yeah. Um, but the, the fact that, you know, I always liked that, that Tessio, you know, just like uh, uh, Michael's uh, brother-in-law, Rizzo, is his name? Uh, I forget Rizzo the Rat, uh, Rizzo Franco. <laughs> else, I don't know. Um, they're both they're doing the same thing in in very different manners. In in those yeah. two scenes,
0: yeah, same and, and that's that's but the yeah that like that's the that's the thing is like when you know you're faced with that, like you have a, you only have a couple options, and you know so so you know you you can give the same. Outlook to both the, to, to the characters and you watch how differently they react because of either their me, like their perceived position or how much power they've got or how much influence they have or they think they have or, uh, you know, you go to your allies and try and figure out, like, how do we get out of it? Like, it's, 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 you know, a, a good character yeah. deep dive because you start thinking, like, okay, you know, they're, they're doing that internal taking stock of, like, okay, am I worth more alive or dead? Like, yeah. you know, and, and, and how do I tip that scale? And, like, what's the approach I take? Like, is it is it, you know, do I go in guns a blazing and, and get real defensive? Do I take a, a softer approach and try and appeal emotionally? Um, like it. you're, you're right. Like it's super interesting to watch, you know, characters put in the same predicament and the same thing where they, the outcome is the same and how they react differently.
1: Oh, I just, I just love the dialogue. And the lines <laughs> I just really do all over the place. I mean, it's infinitely quotable. I mean, you got the whole, uh, switching a little bit of gears on you here from the, 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 the highbrow stuff, uh, but, I mean, you, you get the, you know, Luca Brasi sleeps with the fishes. Yep. As far as I know that, you know, that that became part of the, the lexicon after this movie, you know, they bring in uh, and stuff. And and one of the quotes that I put in the intro to this was uh, Clemenza, you know, after the, uh, the Gato hit, you know, uh, in the car, was leave the gun, take the cannoli.
0: Oh, my gosh, love it.
1: Yeah, it was great. And as far as I know, that was ad lib. Uh, the, the, the 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 take the, the take the cannoli. I think was ad lib. He just he just threw it in there. Uh, and, and, yeah, it was beautiful.
0: It's good. It's good. And uh, um, yeah, you. Uh, and that's the thing is like there are quotes that you can tell anybody, and like they even if they haven't seen the movie, they know exactly what it's from. Uh, how many people? Uh, when you say, ex- except for you know, you broke that tradition earlier. When when you say, "Gonna make him an offer, you can't refuse." You do it in the voice. Yeah, I um, did. Like, oh, that did you? Yeah. Okay, so you kept the tradition alive, and 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 uh, you know, you say it in the voice because you know you have to. Uh, it's like a law, and yeah. and so that's the thing is like even people who haven't seen it all or have only seen like little clips, like that stuff. Like th- those lines stick with you, and it's it's equal parts how they're written and how they're delivered uh, that that make them iconic and are quotable literally fifty years later.
1: God, yes. Uh, I mean, just the, yeah. It, it it really is. It, it's it's wonderful. God I don't want to go back and watch these movies again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have a feeling I know what you're going to be doing uh in your in what little spare time you're going to be having in the upcoming little bit is uh rewatching some of these. And uh it's not only the lines and the cast that are iconic because you alluded to it before when you know your when you know your fate and you know what's coming down before you. You know that uh in the mob usually there's only one way out and that is toes up and this movie has a lot of iconic and uh merciless whacking scenes I guess is what we'll call them <laughs> Just a lot of whacking right there. I was just waiting for. It. Yeah, I, I, I felt weird saying that, but like that's that's the term. That's the that's the way. And because uh, I don't want to say uh, a bunch of killing scenes, because you know yep. that's um, yep. that's not it. Uh, it's not a Friday the Thirteenth movie where it's 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 just you're racking up kills. It's um, let me tell you something. Uh, first of all, uh, garrot wire freaks me out. <laughs> and this movie is not the movie for you if you are if if you are weirded out or like uh, uncomfortable isn't the right word but like if, if seeing if seeing a, a strangulation by wire uh gives you the oogies uh buckle up
1: Well so it's funny that you 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 bring up the garrot first thing because uh, when I was looking at the the hits and the kills and the violence in this movie uh so one thing that I think makes the you know the violence so memorable in this movie, and it's a stylized choice, obviously, from Francis Ford Coppola, and I give him complete credit for this. If you look at violence in most movies, like let's say John Wick, is po- popular right now, you know, the John Wick movies, uh and such, he kills a lot of people in that movie. He sure does. Right? He kills a lot of people in that movie, but it's usually it's usually pop 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 gunshot guy goes down cut away Francis Ford Coppola in this movie does not cut away from death no and it's like to the point on some of them where you're like it's a little uncomfortable yeah just 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 to that tipping point of you looking away like like he he he's like he's playing chicken with you he's daring you to watch all the way through and then he cuts just when he needs to um going back to the garrot scene with luca brosci yeah cuz those those bulging eyes i don't know how he was able to do that but that the, the tongue out and literally you know uh uh he he's just it's just there and it's there and it's there and you're expecting a cutaway at any minute but it doesn't he just hangs on to it
0: yeah. Uh, they actually murdered him. That was how they did it. Oh, I
1: see. Okay. Yeah. It's in
0: the Wikipedia page. They actually <laughs> murdered everybody that died in the movie, they actually murdered him. Uh-huh. That's how it's done. No, like and, and and the thing about it is, um, you know, the word that I use to describe it is they are they're very brutal, but not in the way that, you know, traditionally people think of a brutal scene like that. Because like now we've been desensitized a bit to, you know, blood and guts and, you know, slasher movies or horror movies, you know, there's blood everywhere and it's all like in your face like, you know, splattering yeah. all over and whatever. These are are different in the in the way that, you know, it's it's not a blood and guts splatter fest, but it is like it is well, raw and it is it is a lot more realistic.
1: Well, it's, it's brutal. Yeah. Not gory. Right, exactly. There's a difference between brutal and gore.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, like, if you take the Mo Green hit, which is one of the iconic ones, you gets shot through the glasses in the eye, which which Big Pussy and Sopranos calls a Mo Green special. <laughs> you know, uh, when you get that scene, you know he looks up, he puts his glass. So, first of all, also uh, with Francis Ford Coppola in these, there's there's a little tidbit in everything that that. Defines it. So going back to Luca Brasi, right before he's hit, you know, the uh, 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 Bruno Tattaglia um, is 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 kind of patting Bruna uh, Luca on the hand, you know, and he looks like if you look at his eyes, his eyes dart above Luca's shoulder for a half a second when Luca's not looking, and then he pulls back to gaze with Luca. Yep. To let the audience know there's somebody behind Luca. Then we go to the garage. Uh, with Mo Green, he's getting his rub down, and, and the guy walks in, and he looks up, and he puts his glasses on, because he has to see who it is. He's like, what's going on? And then he gets shot through the glasses, through the eye. And it's not like the shot, you see the glasses break, and we cut away. No, he slumps down, and you get that blood pouring out. So there's the brutal in that, that you he hangs on, on Mo Green for, like, two seconds with that blood pouring out. And I still can't figure out practically where that blood's coming from.
0: <laughs> no, like literally from his face. I told you, like, they literally murdered people on this movie. Like this is this is the the most commercially successful snuff film that was ever made back in nineteen seventy two. It's how it happened. It's just a thing. Um No, like it it's it is because like it does. It's it's one of those where like you feel Like it feels gritty and it feels like when I was a kid, I used to hate scary movies when I was a really little kid because, you know, watching the VHS tapes on our VCR, they looked like our home movies. Yeah. Like they had that same kind of look to them. So I always thought that movies were real like our home movies. I was a dumb kid. Leave me alone. Uh, and, but like, it's one of those where it's like, it has that gritty, realistic, like you feel like you've been a part of it as you're watching it. And like, it's, it's very much like, okay. The, the, the TV show Dexter. Yeah. Uh, they give you a very sanitized portrayal of what Dexter does once he kills a body, like once he kills somebody. Yes. Uh, like you never really see now in they they, they brought it back for the, 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 the limited series Dexter new blood. And there's an episode towards the end where they basically like you are in the killing room as he's, you know, doing the dismembering and doing the, uh, what he does. And it's really weird and uncomfortable. Because you're like, I shouldn't be here and I shouldn't be seeing this. But like, it changes how you look at Dexter. And this is kind of the same way as it's like you look at it and you're like, I shouldn't be here and I shouldn't be watching this and I shouldn't be like a part of what just happened. But like, it brings you through that emotional ringer in its brutality and in its realism that you're like, you feel dirty and like that you were an accomplice to it by the time it's done. And it leaves you with that uncomfortable where you're like, I feel like me and him just murdered somebody and it's weird. (laughs) Like, I don't like it. Um, and, 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 you know, um, there are points where, you know, uh, something like the Sopranos does it. Uh, but this is one of those where it's like, you legitimately feel like, like that's how a, a hit would go. And like, it doesn't do the, it doesn't do you the favor of cutting away and sparing you the the gruesome at the end. Yeah. Like it doesn't it doesn't give you the the benefit and the you know where you can go. Whew, that's over and now I'm on to something else. Like it, it, you hang there and you're like, well, I guess we're in this together now.
1: Yeah. Uh, it, it it adds a visceral quality to it. Yeah. Um, and, and Coppola does that in spades with, you know, just about every single one of these. So if you look at a couple of the other, you know, the, 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 the kills that are most remembered. So, you know, Michael, uh, of course, killing the police captain and Salazzo in the, uh, the restaurant, right? You know, right, he comes yeah. out, he's got the gun, he sits down for a minute. And then while Salazzo's is talking, he stands up and he, he kills the captain and he kills Salazzo with the pistol. Yeah revolver. And it's not just bam, bam, cut, Michael leaves. You get that first shot, pop, and then you hang on the police captain, literally choking on his own blood, because he shot him through the, through the throat for like two seconds. He's just like doing that yeah. and then the other guys and then, you know, he, he's in shock, and so he turns back to, to Michael and then Michael shoots him in the head, and he just kind of goes back. But the visceral was from the police captain, not Salazzo, Yeah. Um, so you've got that. Um, taking a look at the uh, the Gatto hit, uh, where he says, you know, you know, Clemens is like, leave the gun, take the cannoli. You got you got two aspects of that 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 make that that entire scene just stand out. One, the actual shooting is not a close up; it, it's a it's a wide shot. You know, right, right. You've got you've got you've got you're, you're far away from the car. You can see the whole car. You see Clemenza taking a, a whiz there on the side of the road and old dude pulls his hand up and you just, you literally just get pop, pop. Okay. But that's not the visceral part. The visceral part is the leave the gun, take the cannoli where you cut to a close up and the dead, you know, Gatto is slumped against the steering wheel, face fully in focus. He's the center of that shot. You know, while they're having a conversation, you got the dead body in the foreground. Not the background, and 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 if you look very closely at that, he's still got blood oozing out of his mouth during that scene. Yeah, Uh. you know you you can see it glinting off the light as it comes out. Uh. So it's not just static. He's not just sitting there with like just blood just applied to him. He's still acting uh, as a corpse, which I think is really interesting. But that you know. All through this movie when it comes to the violence, the violence is not gratuitous, it has a point, it drives the plot forward. There's always something that 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 just is in your face. It's it's brutal, it's visceral, it's once again not gory, but it it's 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 poignant in the way he hangs on, you know, the actual aftermath, not the actual action.
0: Yeah. And it's yeah, you're right. Like it's not it's not meant to be you know, over the top gory and graphic for the sake of being graphic, but it is, it is, it is, you know, it, it tells that story and it is, I'm only guessing on this. I can't say for sure, but it is that realistic to, you know, what it's trying to do. Like when you, when you wrap piano wire around somebody's neck, that is what I imagine it looks like. I can't say for sure, uh, never done it. Not that I will admit to, but that is what I assume that it looks like. Uh, you know, and and, then that's the thing is like, it's not, you know, it's too often that, you know, movies or TV shows or whatever, give it that polished, like, you know, you always have that kind of safety of like, eh, don't worry. It's, it's TV. They're not going to show you a whole lot or like, it's a movie. Like they're not going to try and do that. Like, you don't have that safety net and it's like, it it is not going to shy away from it. And, you know, that's what being in that world is about and is, that's what it entails is like, that's a part of that world is, you know, you have that uncomfortable violence that makes you kind of have that stomach turning like, Oh, was not expecting that. Oh yeah. And that's part of it. And that's one of those aspects, uh, you know, that that when you bring it all together, it paints that picture of, you know, 1945 to 1955, um, you know, in that world. Yep. I agree. Yeah. When it it
1: comes to the, so so I got to ask, though. Yeah. Uh, so which one is your favorite? Because we we haven't discussed real quick. We haven't discussed the the *Sunny* Corleone hit in this one, which was which made cinematic history from a from a filmmaking standpoint at the time it was shot.
0: Uh, please, please to explain.
1: Well, because. So, you know, in movies and stuff, at least at the time and I I I think they still use them to some extent, but it's been a little bit replaced with with digital, you know, enhancement. Um but they they have a a thing that the special effects would would place on a person uh uh which was called a squib. Mm-hmm. And it's basically uh, a little like small plastic blood pack that has yeah. blood inside it and it was it was it was it was keyed with uh, uh I I think it was sometimes they're pneumatic sometimes they're electronic just depending on what what year they're using them and stuff. But when when the special effects team would hit it, they it would release it would it would blow outward, you know, with a little bit. Of, and it was it was done for gunshots, so you would you would have the uh, the the actor with the gun shoot the blank, and then the special effects would would trigger the squib, and the actor would act and everything else like that. But at the time that they did this, um they placed more squibs on uh, uh, James Caan than had ever been placed on <laughs> him, ever, for the Sonny Corleone scene. It was, it was somewhere in the neighborhood of like 150 squibs or something like that. It was just an ungodly amount. His body was covered in them for those, for those Tommy Gun hits uh, and everything. And, I mean, for that one, you know, you get... When it comes to the brutal and... and well, the, the thing that sets it apart... You know, it is that you know he's he's at the toll bridge, and the car kind of backs up into him. He's like, "Oh, come on, what the fuck? What's going on?" Yeah. So you know he's pissed off, and he looks over, and the, the the toll guard closes his door and drops. Yep. And that's when he's like, "What?" And he looks around, and it's too late. He knows what's going on, and and the guys get out of the car with Tommy guns. The other the other toll booth guys come pop up with Tommy guns, and they open up on it. Now, most things, you know, once again, would just cut to the wide shot of the car being just lit up with bullets, right? But Scorsese, no, we ain't doing that. Scorsese cuts to a close-up of him in the car trying to get out of the car, you know. And he 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 he's literally, he's being shot. Squibs are going off. You can see bullet impacts on his body from the squibs going off. As he's getting out of the car and he gets out and he stands up and that's when they just light him up and he just, and finally they stop, you know, and he just falls. And then just to add insult to injury, just that extra little bit of you have the one guy that walks over to the body and just puts another five (sighs) rounds into him.
0: Yeah. Just, well, you got to make sure.
1: Yeah. Literally, they were taking no chances to leave him alive. And then he kicks him in the face. (laughs) Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So, out of all that, you know, out of all the, the hits that are in the movie, the ones we've talked about, which which one is your favorite? What do you like? Uh, I, I judge my
0: favorite based on the one that makes me the most uncomfortable. Yep. Uh, and I gotta go, there are some good ones, I gotta go R.I.P. my boy Mo Green. Really? As somebody who has glasses now. <laughs> It hits a little bit closer to home of, you know, that, that feeling of, you know, that, that vulnerable kind of like you have let your guard entirely down and, um, you know, just there's something about it that, that just, it gets me. It, it, it. And it is, I think part of it now is, you know, I've had glasses for, uh, about a year and a half now. And, uh, it, that one hits a little closer to home and, um, now I'm like, I don't usually take my glasses off. Like I take my glasses off for showers and that's it. Like, and sleeping. Uh, but, like, other than that, like, if I'm awake and I'm doing something, like, even if I'm taking a nap on the couch, like, I will position myself in a way that I will not need to take my glasses off just because. It changed my life, man. You don't
1: you don't want somebody to walk in and whack you through the glasses. No,
0: I don't want anybody whacking anywhere near me. <laughs> um, and so I make sure I know who is in and around, and it doesn't take me an extra long time to figure out who it is. Uh, My glasses are with me, like, all the time. Yeah, it just, it did. It, it did not set with me well.
1: All right. What's yours? Mine has still got to be Luca Brasi. Yeah. That choking. Because, first of all, that stare that he gives, you know, into the camera with those eyes bulging, the tongue out, the fact that it takes so long, because... Choking somebody out is not a quick process. It takes no. a while for, you know, the, 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 the whole suffocation thing. But the fact that he knows what's going on the entire time and he can't stop it.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, you see the look in his eyes and he he knows it's happening. Yeah. He can't stop it. That, that's that's what kills me.
0: I mean, I have not seen that look on somebody's face since that uh, fateful Gen Con where there was cheese, no cheese. And... <laughs> You were, you were, uh, like, I've not seen you choke somebody out. My God, it was, it was very reminiscent of that scene. Uh, that guy stuck his head out and he said, cheese, no, so no cheese. And it was over for him. It was
1: lights out. <laughs> and, uh, well, it was just like, I had my garage on me that.
0: Yeah. Night. Well, I mean, you know, it's, it's like your Amex card. You never leave home without your garage wire. So <laughs>
1: But yeah, no, that one—that one kills me every time I watch the movie. You know, you just got the whole thing. He's in there. It's after hours. He stabs him through the hand, so he can't pull his hand back. It's uh, brutal. You know, like it is. You know
0: it, it is damaging. Yeah. Like it is a brutal, brutal, brutal sequence, and it, you're just kind of like, as you're watching it, you're just like, it's just shock. It's just like it it hits you and it it just kind of overwhelms you with a holy shit, holy shit. Oh my, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Like you're watching this happen and it just like, it doesn't stop.
1: No, I agree. Yeah. And it just, it it seems like it lingers forever. And uh, God, it's just, yeah, that whole scene is just constructed so beautifully uh, from a cinematic point of view. Uh, It's not funny. Yeah, but yeah that's, that's the one. That's the one I like. That's, that's my favorite of all of them in
0: the movie. That's a solid pick. There's no wrong answer. Uh, all of them are uh, impactful in their own way, and you know, you are left, you know, remembering all of them, at least something about every single uh, one of those, those scenes, uh, which is a testament to how good each and every one of them are. So, uh, overall, fantastic. And as we've gone through, you know, to, to, to bring it home, it is, you know, you, you, you can pick any aspect. You can pick apart any criteria that you have for a, a classic, great, top-tier movie, and The Godfather checks every single one of those boxes far and away. Uh, I mean, just a, a masterpiece. Like, it is if you have any interest in organized crime or, you know, the mafia or anything like that, like you recognize how outstanding and in a class by itself, this movie really is.
1: Oh yeah. Uh, I agree. Even though I I have to say, I have argued, you know, uh, against that. This is a, is a mafia movie, uh, at, at its heart. Because you don't see a lot of the actual organized crime in this movie.
0: Yeah, no, you really don't.
1: You don't. Uh it, it's more about the Corleone family. It it, it really is it, it's almost like a, a throwback to tales from antiquity of a king and three sons. Um with with the princes and everything and who's gonna inherit the kingdom and it's it's a great it's it's a it's a it's a it's a, a great tragedy. It's a Shakespearean tragedy, it's more about that than it is about the crime. But, I mean, obviously, they're in the Mafia. You've got the heads of the five families. You've got the, the whole business thing uh, uh, and, and everything. So it, it is part of that genre as well. And and I've always said, uh, or also said, that when it comes to – so the Mafia, you know, given what it is, because I'm such an expert in the Mafia. Yeah, oh, I said, I, yeah, yeah. You know. Uh, but um, – the Mafia today is not what the Mafia was in 1945. No, you know, no, no. In the 1930s when, 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 you know, when uh, Lucky Luciano set up the, 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 the commission and the five families and everything. Um, it has evolved over the years as, as everything else. But it also, uh, you know, Mafia genre of uh, film... And TV has evolved. So if you start with the Godfather, it's really interesting. You start with the Godfather, right? You do Godfather and Godfather 2. Yeah. Okay? Uh, Even though I like it, I'm not going to say Godfather 3 because that's kind of its own thing. It just, I don't think it fits. But Godfather, Godfather 2, and then you go to uh, Goodfellas, which takes place in the 80s. And then you go to Casino,
0: which takes place in the 90s.
1: And then you go to Sopranos. You know, I could see all three of those: Godfather, you know, uh, Goodfellas, Casino, Sopranos, all in actually the same world. Yeah, you could you could make a
0: case for that.
1: Yeah, and and but it, but it just it, you have just like the evolution of the mafia in real life, you have an evolution of mafia between these four core pieces. Of course, Donnie Brasco's in there as well, but he kind of, you know, you could put that in with the 80s and stuff. It's a little bit different tone, but it's still with, like, with the Goodfellas type thing uh, and stuff, but, you know, uh, yeah, you, you watch those core, core, core four things, and you've got a nice evolution of mafia and film, you know, going through. It's just it's just really, really great.
0: Yeah, uh, with the, you know, the changing times and the, uh, the adaptation of, uh, you know, uh, different different aspects of life that, you know, change the way that everybody does business, including organized crime, including mafia, where uh, you see that kind of timeline um, and how things impacted the real world outside of that, like how things impacted life uh, impact that as well. And you kind of see that evolution uh, as you go in that order. That's a good point. Yeah. So I like it. Well, anyway, so that is uh, a retrospective look back on the Godfather. Uh, thank you, uh, Consigliere Scott. See, I wasn't gonna—I wasn't gonna let it go this entire episode.
1: You weren't. You weren't. You—you you, you kept it, and i am Yeah, I'm quite pleased.
0: Listen, I will. Uh, I, I am nothing if not committed to a joke. Uh, you can, yeah, I have a lot of shortcomings, but one of them is not my commitment to jokes. Uh, ask anybody, I will run a joke into the ground if I have to, if I think it's funny. So, um, I was going to ride that all the way to the end of the episode. Uh, and this is actually the first of our, uh, in a series, we've got a few more coming. We're not going to tell you what they are just yet, but, um, you know, of, of movies that are hitting big milestones this year and uh their impact on us and uh the the film entertainment industry um, and and uh when they when they were released and continuing to this day, so I thank you for your time and uh, i I thought that was great. I thought we had a great great conversation, and I hope that we are spared from the whacking
1: well, you know it's kind of a daily occurrence. oh wait sorry, oh my oh, gosh, gosh. Uh, sorry. I couldn't
0: resist. I know you.
1: couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't I help myself. I know. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Anyway. A- anyway,
0: maybe well, just once. You get forgiven one time.
1: Just once. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm screwed next time, then.
0: You, you are. You are. All right. Take us home. Michael
1: Francis Ritchie, do you renounce Satan? I do renounce them and all his palms. I do
0: renounce them. Michael
1: Ritchie. Will you be baptized? In the name of the Father, Michael Ripsey, go in peace, and may the Lord be with you. Amen.